is very obviously our Christmas uh, Sunday morning service. And as a, uh, as a pastor or as a preacher at all, it's sometimes difficult, believe it or not, to prepare to preach the Christmas sermon. You, you think, what can I say that somebody's not already said? And you know what I can say that, that nobody's already said? Absolutely nothing. In fact, one, one commentator said this, that, that as a preacher, if you are looking in Scripture and you, he's talking about in today's terms, have see something that nobody's seen in 2,000 years of studying Scripture, there's a good chance you've probably got something messed up. Amen? And uh, that's the truth. And so this morning, uh, I'm going to present to you the same story, but it's not the same old story. This story never gets old, amen? It's the, the story of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to present it a little differently, maybe, but, but it's, uh, I'm going to be taking our text from the very familiar Luke chapter 2 passage. Luke chapter 2, verse number 1. And if you want to stand, I'm going to read actually 20 verses, so uh, if you want to stand for that, you're more than welcome to. If you're not able to stand for that, I, I fully understand that. This is a, a rather lengthy reading. But this is, uh, in a nutshell, what we would call the Christmas story. This will probably not be the last time you'll hear this story today. But the news of Jesus Christ coming to this earth is such wonderful news that it's worth repeating over and over. The Bible says this, Luke chapter 2, verse number 1. Please pray for me as I read. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. 
And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray. Father, we come before you thankful this morning that you sent your Son to become as one of us, to put on a a fleshly body and to step foot on earth so that he could become the ultimate sacrifice for sin and so that he could die for us. And Lord, I pray that as we go into the Christmas season and, and we, get, we get busy and, and things are just moving so fast, Lord, that we never forget about your birth into this world, how that Jesus came for us. And God, as we go into this, we pray that you would have your uh, hand upon this sermon and upon the rest of this service. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you study the Bible very much, you'll know the Bible's divided into two major sections, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, most people like to read the New Testament a little bit more because it seems that that it's more applicable to today's uh, life and, and just things that are going on. But if you go to the very last book of the Old Testament, the book of Micah, and it has five chapters, and something strange happens in the book of Micah, you, you've got to understand that the, the, the Bible, obviously, uh, some people would say this, that you can almost look at the Bible as if, as if it's a, a movie, or if you look at it as a story. That the Bible has one main character, and that is God. Amen? And that he's the main character of the Bible. And and the Bible actually has a a villain, and that is Satan himself. The Bible has a hero. Who is that? Well, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in amongst all this, you have a, a lot of, if you will, supporting cast. People that make appearances for a little while, and then they're gone. Excuse me. And so, since mostly through the entire Bible and through the Old Testament, we we see the rising of the children of Israel. We see God's people become a people. And then God continues to commune with them. And God would use men to commune with these people. He used Moses. You, You find in the book of Exodus how that Moses led the children of Israel through the wilderness and on their journeys and all these things. And then God used Joshua, and then God used David and and the kings. And then finally God started using prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and some of the the minor prophets, such as, as I mentioned a moment ago, Micah. And so God had always communicated with his people. There was always uh, times when God was, was speaking. Even if the people weren't necessarily listening, God was speaking. And then something happened in the book of Micah. It's like the lights went out. 
If any of you have ever been to a, uh, maybe the Cumberland County Playhouse, uh, and maybe that's a little archaic, too archaic for some of you, but if you've ever been to a play, you'll know that when the, when the scenes switch, a lot of times the lights go out. Have you ever seen that? It's like in the book of Micah, the lights just go out, and all of a sudden God's not talking anymore. There's no prophet there's nobody to convey what God would have his people to do or, or anything. And there's no, there's no open vision at this time. There's nothing going on, if you will. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like the children of God just quit doing their thing. And just because they're not necessarily hearing from God that they quit doing this. I mean, the priests are still making sacrifices. People are still going to the synagogue. They're still going to the temple. They're still living their daily lives. But in the middle of this, they're not hearing from God. And then all of a sudden, if you, uh, and I'm not going to read a whole lot from it because my voice is not really fit to read this morning, but if you go to the book of Matthew, or the book of Luke, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1, you'll find a priest named Zechariah. And Zechariah, he's a very interesting character, he's a very interesting person. He's the father of John the Baptist. And, and he's, he's doing what he does every day. It says in verse 5, and, and like I said, I won't read a whole lot of it. It says, In the days of Herod, uh, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abai, and his wife uh, was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they hadn't had a children, or hadn't had a child, and they're old. And in verse 8, it says, And it came to pass, that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Now this is a very important time in Zechariah's life, and I'm not trying to overwhelm you with information, but this is very important is that this could have been the only time in Zechariah's life that he was able to enter into the holy place and offer incense. See, there were more priests than there were things to do. And if you'll notice, it says that, that it was his lot. In verse number 9, it says his lot was to burn incense. That means that they sort of drew straws or drew, a, drew, something out of a, drew their names out of a hat and says, well, Zechariah, you get to go into the holy place today. And no doubt he was excited and he was overcome with a reverent spirit. And he went in there and he executed his office. He was burning the incense and they, they carried this thing and it sort of swung back and forth. And the incense went and it filled the holy place. <coughs> they hadn't heard from God in a long time. 400, almost 500 years now, could you imagine that? Could you imagine, understand this, that the way we hear from God today is, is through His Word, obviously, and through the Holy Spirit. But could you imagine if God just quit communing with people, if, if the Holy Spirit just quit bearing things onto people's hearts and, and God quit speaking through His Word and we hadn't heard from God for 500 years? Could you imagine that if, if it was like that today and five, for 500 years we haven't heard from God and then all of a sudden one day you're just, you're just going through the motions, Right? I mean, you're just doing the mundane things. You're just doing kind of what God told you to do. And you go to the temple and you're offering this incense. And then all of a sudden something happens that's never happened to you. 
And all of a sudden, the lights come back on. And God begins to speak again. And it says in verse number 11, and remember, in light of this, there's people, they're, they're outside. Verse number 11 says that the multitude is out there and they're praying. It says the whole multitude of the people were praying without, outside of the holy place. They're in the, the court, if you will, and they're praying. What would you think that they're praying for? I studied this out this week, and it, it really got a hold of me. It, it, it jarred me that these people hadn't heard from God and, and for so long. And you know what they're praying for? They're praying for the Messiah. They're praying for God to begin to speak to them again. They're praying for God to move in the middle of, uh, midst of them and, and take this Roman, uh, Roman government that they're under to just take them out of the way and to sit upon the throne of David and to rule with a rod of iron. In verse number 11 it says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now, you hadn't heard from God for 500 years. I bet you see an angel, you're going to be scared, right? I mean, we think of angels sometimes. We get this misconception. I'm not trying to get into the theology of angels, but, but angels are not little cherubims, little, you know, little half-naked babies wearing uh, diapers and walk, going around with wings. I mean, angels, they're mighty things of God. And angels stand in the presence of God, and they worship God, and they're God's messengers. And so God's messenger shows up, and he said, he said Fear not, Zacharias. That's a common theme. That's a, a common little phrase that you're going to see a lot of times when an angel shows up on the scene, whether it be the Old Testament or the New Testament, the angel's going to say, fear not. He said, I've got some good news for you. And here it is. He says, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. What prayer is that? Well, upon first examination of the Scripture, I thought it was his prayer for a son. I mean, remember, Zacharias is, is older and he, he doesn't have a child yet. And so he's praying for that maybe sometimes. But he says, for thy prayer is heard and. Now there's a punctuation mark in there. A colon. For thy prayer is heard. And then comes that you're going to have a son. All of a sudden... This angel shows up with the best news that could ever be on just, just any day of the week. It's that God is about to begin to open up to his people again. And the greatest thing that's ever happened is about to happen. And that is that Jesus is about to come and dwell among men. Your prayer is answered. Oh, and by the way, you're going to have a child. And that child is going to be the precursor for the Lord Jesus. He's going to be the one that prepares the way. And I'm not going to get too deep into that. I, like I said, my voice is, is going to give out maybe in the next five or ten minutes. I'm sure some of you are praying for that. But, but either way, and so he says, this is about to happen. And so Zacharias receiving this news is, is sort of like, it's like a football game. It's like the kickoff. Everything's silent. Everything's quiet. Everything's, you know, but, but finally this thing kicks off and then it, it puts into motion a series of events that we know simply as the Christmas story. 
or the, the birth of Jesus or, or Advent or however you want to articulate that, that, that Zacharias receives this news. And there's a lot of moving parts here. I want you to understand that when God sent Jesus into this world, that this wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't that God said, oh, these people, they, they kind of need something, and, and the, the, the sacrificial system, it's just not working out anymore, so I guess I better do something different. This was God's plan all along, to send his son into this world. And there's a lot of moving parts in this plan. I want you to understand that if we present this, the Bible as a whole, as a, as a looking at it as a movie or a book or whatever, the, the book that it is. As I said, God's the main character. And the whole, the whole storyline of the entire Bible is this. Is that in the very beginning that fellowship between God and man was broken and that we had to have redemption. I mean, that's the whole storyline, right? I mean, that, that's what it's all about, that, so that we can come back to God and so that we can be reunited with Him and that we can spend eternity with Him in heaven. And this was made possible by the Lord Jesus Christ coming. And so verse number 26 of that same chapter, Luke chapter 1, says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused this word espoused is is like being engaged but engaged in another step it's a little more binding than engagements are today to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and the angel came unto her and said hail thou art highly favored the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women women and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast her mind to what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, what? What did he say? Fear not. There's that, there's that phrase again. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. I like verse 37. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Then verse number 38 and we found out a few things about Mary already. Like I said, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people being introduced. And Mary, we find she's, she's just a little virgin girl. She's, she's really, she's just a commoner. You know, God, if, if he wanted to, 
could have sent Jesus to be born into a palace, right? He really could have. I mean, he's God. He can do what he wants to. But that wasn't his plan. He, he sent him, and, and it says that Mary was, was, was highly favored with God. Why is that? Well, she was probably, probably had a pure heart. She probably lived right. She probably did her best to observe the law of Moses and, and to do what was right in the sight of God. And so some, uh, unfortunately, I, I, they worship Mary because of this. Now today, as Free Will Baptists, we do not worship Mary. Amen? We worship the Lord Jesus Christ. All these people and everything in this story is pointing to Jesus. But there's a very important thing that Mary says. As I said, she's just a little common girl. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. We see the word handmaid and we think of somebody that does shelves and you know, you know, maybe washes clothes and changes bed linens. But, but handmaid, that's a bond servant. That's a slave. Lord, I'm your, I'm your slave. Whatever you say, I am bound to it. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. God could have chosen anybody. He could have chosen to send Jesus through Elizabeth, I guess, if he wanted to, or, or any unnamed young girl at this time. But he chose Mary, and so she, be, she becomes uh, forever immortalized in the Word of God as the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. But do you know what stands out to me more than anything about Mary's character that we see? It wasn't that she was young and that she lived right. I mean, those are, those are great things and, and wonderful things. But what, what really amazes me is that God had a plan, and that plan was for his son to be born into this world. And you know what Mary said? She said, be it unto me according to thy word. She said this, whatever you say, I'll do. If you tell me to go somewhere, I'll go. If you ask me to do this, and, and what, I mean, what a thing that Mary was asked to do. I could not imagine uh, having, having an angel ask, uh, obviously he's not going to ask me to have his baby, right? But, God, but asking a woman, would you be the mother of my son? That'd be rough, wouldn't it, Sister Vivian? There would be a little bit of pressure there. Wait a minute. You want me uh, to be the mother of your son, God? And she said, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do it. And she was very quick to answer that. And then we see this guy named Joseph. And I actually preached a sermon on him last year. And, and most of you probably don't remember that if anybody does. But Joseph is a guy, we don't know much about him. But Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. I don't, I don't know that how long she hid it or if she did or if she immediately, you know, got, walked over and said, Joseph, something just happened to me. An angel showed up and told me that I was going to carry God's son in my womb and that he was going to come uh, into this world through me. I mean, this, and, and she said, and, and by the way, I'm okay with it. I'm good with it. I said, Lord, whatever you want, it's going to be that way. <clears throat> and we find in Matthew chapter 1 that Joseph is sitting here thinking about this and here's another short account and, and again bear with me I'm, I'm trying to, to read and, and get through this but verse 18 says now the birth of Jesus Christ Matthew 1 18 
The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. As his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. What was Mary? Well, she was a good lady, right? A good young virgin. And Joseph is a just man, a hardworking man, a carpenter, but a poor guy. He wasn't really, didn't have any standing in society. And not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, what happens? Here's the angel of the Lord again. And behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. There's that phrase again. To take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, it's very obvious Joseph is in a very awkward position, a very peculiar spot. Remember, the the marriage has not been consummated. You were not married in in the eyes of the law until you actually consummated your marriage. And they find out that Mary's pregnant. Well, I mean, what comes with that, with that kind of news, you know, when you find out that Mary's pregnant before, the, before, they, before they're supposed to be married? Well, I mean, in today's society, that generally comes with a lot of this, right? A lot of people talking and, and running their mouth and saying things. And, and so Joseph knew that he was about to face these things, and Mary knew that she was about to face these things. And it was hard because he was a just man. I mean, he might not have been rich, he might not have been famous, but, but you know, he had a good name. And to me, a good, a good name means a lot, doesn't it, to you? Just being a good person, it, it, I mean, it means a lot. And it, verse 24 says this, that when Joseph was raised from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. So Mary says, be it unto your word. And Joseph did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. Are you seeing a theme here? Is, is it like there's a common factor running through all these people that we see? Is that when the angel of the Lord shows up, some things happen. They get scared and then they get a message from God. And then all of a sudden, uh, these, these shocking messages, these revelations, these, that God beginning to deal with his people again. And these people are just saying, yes, Lord, I'm ready. Yes, Lord, whatever you say and I'll do, whatever it is, I will do it. Now, let's let's apply that to us. Obviously, we're not Mary and Joseph, right? And by the way, God doesn't have to do anything else for the salvation of his people. Amen? So that's already settled. We've we've had Jesus and he's done what he was supposed to do and that was come and and live a perfect life and die on a cross and and, and come again from the dead and, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now making intercession for us. 
But here's the thing about it. Even though you and I, we, we may not ever, and we won't because this is a closed book if you ask me, we're never going to make it into the pages of the Bible. Amen? And, and I mean, these great things are probably, I mean, they're not going to happen to us, obviously. I get that. But I want you to understand this, that, that even though the Bible is, is not going to be added unto, even though we're not going to, you know, we're not going to, you know, start editing this and throw people like Billy Graham in there and all this, that's not going to happen. Understand this, that God still has a purpose and He still has a plan. And, and just, because, just because things, you know, are not going well and just because things are, are different and, and really it doesn't seem like God's moving, I mean, it, it seems like that, that just things are happening that, and you say, why is this happening? We don't understand. And it's like we're not hearing from God as much as we would like to. But here's the thing about it. God did not forsake his people. God did not turn his back on the, the, the children of Israel. And if, and if you're born again, God has not turned his back on you. It may have been a while since, you've, since God has spoken to you or since God has, has moved in your life or since God has done in, anything great that, or that you consider great. I mean, God's done a lot for you today if he's put breath in your lungs. Amen? But God's got a plan as, as I said, it may not be to, to bear his son. It may not be to be the, the father. It may not be like the shepherds. By the way, they, were, they did that too. And, and, and just for the sake of time, I won't even get into that. I, I had a couple of more points, but a couple of more points, but I won't even get into those. Understand this that one of the things that we see over and over and over again in this story is that when God spoke to somebody, they said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'll do whatever it is that you say. Mary was presented with a situation that had never happened before. In the whole uh, existence of man, had never had the Holy Ghost ever came over and overshadowed somebody and, be and she becomes pregnant and bears the Son of God. That's never happened up until that point and it's not happened since and it never will again. And Mary was saying, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever it is. Joseph said, yes, Lord, I'm willing to, to withstand the ridicule. I'm willing to withstand whatever may come my way just because you said so. The shepherds were told to go find Jesus in, in that little town of Bethlehem. And they, they didn't say, you know what, I've got a lot of things going on. I've got to watch my sheep. I'm sorry about that, Lord. Sounds great. It said that they went and they, they sought out Jesus and they looked for him and when they found him, they began to spread the word about him. And even the wise men, they went and they, they came, these men that were, were, would probably have had nothing to do with a family like Mary and Joseph. Rich men from the east. And yet, they went on their journey and God even spoke to them. And told them not to go back and report to Herod and, and tell them where Jesus was. And they did what God told them to do. You know what God is looking for this morning? He's not looking for a bunch of people that are, that are just great at what they do or, or perfect people. He's not looking for folks that are, are just, you know, 
necessarily able to set the world on fire for him. Mary and Joseph, just common people, working people. Most people in here, how many of you consider yourself to be common? Just a regular old person, right? I mean, you don't, hopefully you don't think you're anything special. If you do, I preached a message about pride about three weeks ago. Go back and see that one. But we're just regular old people. Just, just living our lives, doing our thing, you know, just going, I mean, you get sick of it, right? Going through the things of life every day. It seems like you wake up and things are just like they were yesterday. Is anything ever going to change? Is God going to speak? I don't know when God's going to speak to you. I don't know what God's going to ask you to do or, or tell you or whatever it is. But remember, these people, uh, they were just doing what they were supposed to do. The shepherds were at work. The wise men, they were off counting their money somewhere. I mean, they were just doing their thing. And when God spoke, they said, yes, I'll go. I'll do what you asked me to do. Now, this is a little bit different take on the Christmas story, right? But it's worth finding out that, that what God is looking for is people that are willing to do what he asks. And, I mean, I'll go ahead and, and throw this at you, that, that in this upcoming year, I mean, how many of you think we've, uh, we've gotten kind of lazy as a church? Anybody say amen? I mean, and, and I know things have been, have been kind of different and things are, you know, like, not like, they, like, like we would want them to be. But when God asks us to do whatever it is, we should be willing. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not doing this to necessarily promote the next year's calendar. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll let the calendar control the church and we'll be under its thumb and let it rule us. It may be to do something outside of that, to go uh, just go visit widows or to go witness to people at work or maybe God's speaking to you in whatever way, but you must be willing to say yes. Yes, Lord, I will. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for all that you do for us. And Lord, I thank you for the time that we were able to spend together here this morning. And God, I just, I just thank you for the the Spirit of God, your Spirit that comes and, and dwells among us and lives in us. And that, Lord, you commune with us and you speak with us. And God, I just pray that each one here would be willing to open up to you and maybe, maybe stick their neck out a little bit, get out of their comfort zone and, and just say yes, whatever it is. Just be it unto your word, like Mary said. If it's your word, if it's you, then we do it. And God, we love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.